Get ready to innovate and organize your workspace with Metro. As the industry leader in storage and distribution systems, Metro is here to transform and organize your kitchen. With their premium solutions, you'll experience the Metro difference. Metro's sturdy and versatile shelving units, workstations, holding cabinets, and utility carts are designed to streamline operations and maximize your productivity. Don't settle for imitators. Metro products last longer and offer unparalleled quality and durability. Plus, the many customization options ensure that your space is tailored to your unique needs. Hey, we use them here at Walk & Talk. Say goodbye to chaos and hello to order with Metro Shelving. Visit their website or contact them today to start designing your perfect space. Metro Shelving, your partner in organization and efficiency. Food fam, this is the Walk and Talk podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Fiadini, and we're podcasting on site at Ibis Images Studios, where food photography comes alive. On the menu today, and first, thank you, Peninsula Food Service, for supplying the proteins for today's production. Uh, we have a Creekstone Farms Prime Brisket Melt, bruh, bros out there, like seriously, stupid delicious. Uh, there was a uh, Floribian Mexican hot chocolate rubbed hickory smoked brisket. Man, it was good. today was all about the brisket. Uh, our guest today is a dear friend of mine, the chef Adam Polisi. Yeah, that's right. Um, we're going to be talking all about the restaurant life. Uh, we'll bring him in shortly. Chef Jeffrey Schlissel, my man. Uh, why don't you jump into the pre-shift and talk about that... Uh, that lovely, lovely freaking sandwich that you put together there, man. That was like, I don't need entrees anymore. <laughs> That's what we're talking in the green room. Yeah, no, I don't I don't need an entree. Just uh, keep making these sandwiches. There's something got to be said about, you know, craveable sandwiches, right? Yeah. So, you know, we did the Mexican hot chocolate rub. Uh, we ferment the, our own chocolate. Then we grind that down into the original OG, which is the original rub that we have. Then that sat for about three or four days to dry out and get that bark started. How many days? About three or four days. It could have been even longer. Because we were supposed to do the podcast last week. Stop, stop, stop. I just want everybody to realize. Think about that. Okay, keep going. (laughs) Yeah, four days. It's a long time. It's a long time. And then we used uh, hickory smoked. It smoked about 10 hours on Mm. that one. Because this is a little bit smaller, which is fine. Um, Normally, they can go up to about 14 hours worth of smoke. Um, then pulled it and then cooled it. Then we wanted to do one entree style, one of the sandwich. So the sandwich they had a whole bunch of like layers going through it. It had last year's green harvest of strawberries. We pickled those, sliced them thin, had a jicama slaw that had key lime on the sandwich itself. We did a, a guava aioli and then we did fried. I don't know about the, I love the, you know, going to the Asian store and get the fried shall, uh, shallots or onions and the garlic. Put those on top for crunch, and then uh, caramelized it with manchego cheese on the outside and the inside. Didn't we have the meatball sauce on there? Huh? Yeah, was we it? had the meatball sauce. Like, all don't throughout. don't. Yeah, I mean, you were that's you the were, bourbon. You were going to sleep on that. Like, I was, oh no, you slept on one. You forgot about the borscht. Yeah. Well, no, because so <laughs> that was great. No, you can get into that. Go ahead, go. Okay, we'll go with first. We'll go through the entree though. Yeah. So they had the meatball sauce on everything. Meatball sauce is that bourbon. 
citrus forward, yeah. a lot of tangerine to it. Um, the entree had collards that I braised down with the Calabria oil that we were talking about with Joseph last week. It had that nice spice to it and then had some uzu vinegar in there. So that brought that whole different theme of vinegar to it. Like we, we, we normally would with apple cider vinegar. So I wanted to go a little uzu on that one. Then I made an elote cake, which I used the corn out of Georgia, which is called the violet corn. It's yellows and purples. Smoke that within my uh, ahi verde. When, when you were first started talking about uh, elote corn and doing these cakes and stuff, you didn't really have me. Say it. <laughs> um, but today, I am a believer. Yeah, yeah, it's it's to me when I did it the cake form because we start off with the path of shoes, water and flour, get it to steam, bring it up, and then add in the egg slowly with the KitchenAid, and then you add your ingredients to the last part of it. So I had um, cojita cheese in there as well. But for me, it was the smoke that really came through. And the, the ahi verde we came up with, that sauce is just ridiculous. And then um, we sat, we served that with like peeled potatoes. And then we kind of really did a quick, nice flash fry on those. And then, then we did the borscht, which is completely different. Everybody's thinking borscht, you know, either yuck or whatever. It's a soup. This was not a soup. This was literally smoked beets. And it was really good. I, I like, as far as like borscht, like the soup, mm-hmm. I always love that. We talked about that last week a little bit. Yep. Um, but what you did with this is like, you know, soup in the solid state was yep. p- pretty damn good. Thank you. Yeah. yeah so it had um, smoked beets, pickled uh, garlic inside it. Then I took uh, beets that were fermented. They're almost 14 days now. With that, we chopped that up, put pickled cabbage and then sour cream, mixed that in together. And at the bottom of it had the smoked brisket on the bottom. And then we cut it, you layer it through, and you just eat, and you have all these different layers coming through. And eat and eat. Yeah, you're a happy camper. Yeah, today was great, man. And you know what? You know what makes this? Okay, so everything you described with the sandwich, um, freaking amazing, right? But the rye bread with the crispy cheese on top? Yeah, that was next level. Dude. I hate what you're doing to my waist. I really do. I don't do anything to your waist. It's not but like it's, I hold a gun to you and say, eat. You base, well, it's the same thing. It's the same. It's totally, it's, it's We need totally, a camera on John for that now, <laughs> facial man. expression. Seriously. <laughs> um, no, but the, the truth is, um, that bread makes all the difference. Listen, think, my, my think, buddy, man, my, Michael Manso down in West Palm Beach, he said it himself. He wouldn't have been in business for 20 plus years doing the hoagies if it wasn't for the bread. Yeah. I mean, Adam just said it too in the yeah. in the green room. He's like, hey, you know, the, he's like, hey, look, this, uh, the, the, you know, the bread. <laughs> he's trying to imitate you, isn't that? Yeah. <laughs> I told you when you shake his hand, he's like a two hand. Well, that, that's, like, I remember the conversation yeah. we had with Jason. We were talking about bourbon. And when he would talk about Adam's fingers, it was more like this. Yeah. Like, you, this. You got you to gotta go to the doctor, get x-rays. <laughs> after the it was like the guy from Cannibal Run or no Fletch. Fletch. <laughs> right. Moon River. All right. So, all right, Jeff. Um, speaking of uh, Chef Adam, my man. Welcome to the show. What's up, Carl? How you doing, brother? Dude, if I was any better, I would be you. <laughs> True story, right? So you got some new things going on, right? What do you got cooking? Yeah, I do have uh, some new things going on. Um, right now, kind of in between uh, and just kind of trying to relax a little bit and kind of find my life again, I guess, if you will. You spent the last like three years, two or three years, um, you know, just... Balls deep on 
on what you were folk on that, on that project. Right. Yeah. So I started with next level brands actually, uh, during COVID shutdown, I started at four beachy doing a little bit of consulting for them. Then shortly after when they realized that, you know, the economy was going to come back around, everything was going to be good. They wanted to start this group and, uh, they approached me about, you know, opening union, um, Boulan Brasserie ended up kind of just being an extra bonus on top of that. So, uh, Union was about a year delayed, I would say, and Boulan was supposed to be uh, afterwards, like six months, and instead Boulan ended up being three months before, and then Union right thereafter. So we went through COVID, we got Forbici back up and running, um, and then developed Union, then developed Boulan, then opened Boulan, and then turn back around and open union. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of an experience to have on the resume. It, it was a pretty serious couple of years. Yeah. And those are all serious, uh, establishments too. Yeah. They, uh, they definitely weren't, uh, kid build outs. They were, uh, pretty serious investments and, uh, pretty beautiful buildings. It was, you know, as far as where my career had been, uh, it, the experience that I got opening those restaurants for those guys was absolutely incredible. Right. And then, you have uh, you have a new project that you're working on. Attention chefs and food buyers. Are you looking to improve your proteins program with quality and service by the best in the beef business? Reach out to Peninsula Food Service. With 25 butchers on staff, their services will dazzle you and impress your dining guests. Peninsula is the largest Creekstone farm distributor in the Southeast United States. Let the gang at Peninsula Food Service cut your beef burdens away and ask about their dry-aged program. Look them up at PeninsulaFood.com. Yeah, so currently uh, I I had this kind of dream about uh, Hellion Hospitality is what uh, I'm calling my company's name. And uh, it was kind of the plan before I signed up with Next Level Brands and uh, then kind of looked at it and I was like, you know, is this the time of my, my career that I'm ready to do this yet? And the opportunity to go work with a group that, you know, had a little bit more backing and that had a little bit more experience in the restaurant industry to kind of, you know, have a little bit more of a crutch at that time seemed like a great idea. And to go in and be kind of a culinary director sort of a role rather than being an owner seemed like the right thing for me at that time. And, uh, you know, turns out that, uh, it probably was the right decision, but now like, I don't want to look back 20 years from now and say, what if, right? Well, so listen, if you, uh, being culinary director for a multi-unit group is a big deal. And that is your next step into ownership. I mean, you already know the ins and outs, right? So at the end of the day, it's a terrific stepping stone. Um, what does it take to open not just one restaurant, but multiple restaurants in a short window of time. What does that actually, what sort of intestinal fortitude does it take for that? 
I mean, mostly a very understanding wife. Um, <laughs> but yeah, post that, I mean, it, it really was, it was, uh, mentally trying at times. And, uh, I mean, there was definitely some good times and some bad times and it, it definitely wasn't always the easiest ride. That's for sure. Um, but you know, at one point I think I had like one day off in like 60 days or something like that, basically right after Christmas until, I don't know, the day after uh, Valentine's Day or something like that. I had one or two days off. And every one of those days was, you know, 7, 8, 9 o'clock in the morning till probably 10, 11 o'clock at night. So That's taxing, man. And yeah. it's physical work, too. Yeah. Yeah. That is very taxing. Jeff, you're shaking your head. Oh, it just nightmares. Triggers, you wouldn't believe. Yeah, some PTSD I mean, just, going on here. 100%. I mean, when you're, you have to be ultra... Like we talked about it last week when we're doing the, we're talking about Keith and doing the catering off site. When you're doing three restaurants and you have them going, the the amount of organization you have to have, and especially if it's different menus, then you have, you know, you can't go to the vendor and be like, hey, if I buy this steak from you all, all three, I'm going to get better pricing. But if you have them differently, then because each one is different, then mm-hmm. you don't have that buying power per se. There are other places you can get that. But my God, it's, I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. I mean, I, um, when I came to central Florida, I did, I did 11 months with no days off. I did 11 months. No day. Cause we were building a brand new, um, Opco from, from nothing. The owner of the company said, here's the keys to the building. And here's a couple of refrigerated trucks. And there was three of us. And, you know, we were doing everything from buying the product, loading the product, building out the warehouse, selling like the whole kit and so by the end of that year, I was I was a mess. Um, but it was a great experience. I don't know that I would ever trade that. You know, and at the end of it, towards the end of that t- period of time, my I was out of my mind. You know, I was delirious basically. And uh, but I look back and. I, that, that's, you know, what do they say when you, you can't, uh, you can't hammer out a, make a sword out of, without beating the hell out of the, the iron or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what, that was me, man. I got beat the hell out of and, you know, but I came out of it like it, solid. You know, funny thing that we were listening today is we're getting ready to go take my daughter to school and they were talking about people that succeed and they were talking about people that do that jump and the the DJ was talking about it, was saying how he packed up all his stuff, didn't have a place to stay, went out for an interview, didn't even have the job. He was talking about Michael Daniels, right? The, the head coach of the Dolphins. He said he went out and bought a, this, this watch that was more than a house. And he said, if I'm going to buy this watch without even knowing if I'm going to be employed the year from, from now. And they asked him why he did it because, because then there was nothing to stop me. It's like when you go into battle and they burn the ships, there's no retreat. When Chef, and it's funny we're talking about it, when Chef Alex went through the hell that he went through with the other company opening the three different restaurants almost simultaneously, the fortitude you gain is the knowledge that you can do this. You know, they always tell you, especially when I was going through culinary school, use other people's money. Don't use, don't use yours to figure it out. OPM, baby. Right. <clears throat> and that's what he did. He went out, he got the fortitude, and you realize when you can put yourself through it and you're having other people pay you, then it's like, shit, I, I got this. There's no way it's nothing's going to stop me. It's the same kind of thing that I went through. 
you know, put my, put it and finally say, screw this. I'm going to do this because I know I can now. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like I, cause I remember, you know, Adam and I met when uh, you were at ocean prime and, uh, you were happy go lucky, man. <laughs> you were just, you know, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Yeah. The, I, the funny thing is that ocean prime with, uh, Cameron Mitchell restaurants, uh, I mean, I feel like Cameron Mitchell Restaurants is one of the premier premier organizations in the country. Uh, the way that Cameron runs his company is incredible. Um, I got really good at running their systems, and I thought I was, you know, the man as far as that went. Um, you know, I never got a chance to really do my menu there, or whatever I was cooking their food, and you know, basically running through their systems. And that was one of the things that you don't realize when you go to start something with someone else, you know, or on your own. It's like everything you try to do takes exponentially longer than, you know, what it was my whole career leading up to that point. So you have to build the system before you can even teach someone how to get that done. And like the stress that that entails throughout the day when you have no time, whatever else, like that that was probably the toughest thing was building literally everything ground up. I, I think a lot of people, um, they, they kind of uh, skip or glaze over what it takes to come up with all the protocols, to come up with the, all the systems, you know, and in your case, you know, um, m- you know, menus and personnel and equipment and, you know, the whole, the whole kit. That's a lot. Um, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm kind of, I was sort of doing that now with, uh, with Peninsula, you know, because I'm, you know, I ostensibly took over the, the sales department there and marketing department or created a market, a marketing department. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's the best of times. In the world. You know, it's, it's a, it's a situation where, you know, you're putting, you're gambling you're like, okay. I know I'm going to need X amount of employees, something for this, something for this. I need staff for that. I need a person for this. And it's, and it's all a bet. And it's the people who, if, when it's their money, you're gambling with their money. So you really need to perform. Right. And that's where a lot of that pressure comes from. It's different when it's yours. Cause you know, it's, you don't want to lose any money, but in the, in the back of your head, you're like, you know what? I, I'll take a gamble on that. And I know if I lose it, it's, it's mine to lose. And I'll take a little bit more of a risk. I wouldn't have done this at the place I was at or with my employer, but it's mine. So I'll take the risk. And I think that's where you, I think that's a secret sauce. And I think that's where, I think that's where people win. I think that's like, that's where you, that's where you will find success is taking the gamble, taking the risk. And that's the thing when I was talking about, I mean, you think about, you know, cutting the umbilical cord and, and, and taking fail and turning it into the first attempt in learning mm-hmm. and making that acronym. I think you can definitely do it. Like the next thing that I open up or do, I don't want to do a full scale restaurant. I, I know that's not where I want to be. I want to do Sammy's. Yeah. Not at, the, at this stage of your life. Who wants all that? That's, no. Well, that? it's not only that. It's like you, you listen to all the different people you and I run into, and, and you probably hear the chef too as well. It's like, what, 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 it's, dude, labor. I can't, mm-hmm. can't find anybody. And that's the biggest thing. Well, all right. So, but by the way, I mean, if you're going to be making sandwiches like this, yeah, like just do sandwiches all day long. I want that in my life every day. Well, it's craveable. I mean, it, here's the different thing. And I think when you said it to no, me, you were addiction. cooking. It's well, not craveable. It's, that, well, it's straight yeah, addiction. I definitely have that. Um, <laughs> but like what you were saying when you were working for the other group, 
you weren't making their food. So your food was good, but it wasn't craveable. When you cook your food and you put your passion behind it, that's what the people are eating. They're, your passion, your love for the food you're putting on that plate. Yeah. Uh, so with what you're saying right there, I was thinking about it on the way over here. And uh, like I listened to a couple of podcasts. I listened to a couple of things that, you know, throughout the years have kind of brought me a lot of uh, motivation and vision, if you will. And, uh, you know, when it finally came down to leaving Next Level Brands, it was a situation that it was like, this is their organization. They've dreamed of this. And what they want to do with it is fantastic for them, you know. And But I know that what I want to do for the rest of my career isn't in line with what they want to do. So, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm right. That doesn't mean they're right, you know. But I started working when I was, I mean, really probably 12 years old and probably full-time at 15. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the uh, Ashton Kutcher Teen Choice Award speech. Anyway, moral of the story is his closing on this is, you know, your whole life you kind of get put in this box and you're doing what you're told to do. You know, you're going to go to high school. You're going to go to college. You're going to get a job. You're going to do X, Y, Z. You're going to live in a world that somebody else created. But everything around you, somebody else created. So why can't that be yours? And that that's kind of where I was once I kind of looked around. It was like, man, we built something incredible. But it's still not mine. And so ultimately, like, I don't get to choose the end game for myself, my family, or all these people around me. And, you know, that that's ultimately what I want. Yeah. I, and, and I think you're at the right stage of your uh the right stage of your life yeah, to, to kind of make that happen and turn it into something. I mean, you chose this, right? You were, I remember you, we talked, you were, you were supposed to go to, um, was it the New York times or something? You were, you were going to be a, you had an opportunity there or something. Yeah. That's hilarious. So you brought that up. Uh, yeah. That's what so I do, dude. this is what I do, man. I played football my whole life. Uh, and I played football and baseball at Oberlin college. And, uh, I was a very strong writer. Um, yeah. And I got offered a internship uh, possibility with the New York times while I was there. But at the time I wanted to be a college football coach and uh, you know, my aspirations were considerably different. My cooking career was really like summer to make sure that I have enough money to get me through the school year. And that's where I was. But uh, you know, so yeah, before that it was football, football, football. I happened to be a good writer. I happened to be a good cook. But yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I still haven't seen any written work, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's cool. I mean, listen, uh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. I posed something to you years ago and, uh, you know, maybe you might find some time to do that before you jump back into this next project full time. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I, I bet we can find some time right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a there was a cool uh, concept. We'll get it. We'll we'll all talk about it off air because I'm not letting it out of the bag here. Um, I still I, have that outline, and I actually started writing the article, but it got about a couple hundred words in. A couple hundred words, huh? And then he had a brain fart. Yeah, a couple hundred words. I would have been done. 
You know what I mean? Like, all right, I've done my job. <laughs> I got here. a lot to say, man. Yeah. A couple of <laughs> words. I'm finished. You know, different and, topics. There's a lot of different things you can say on them. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you two, believe it or not, I think you two would get along splendid. So, um, Jeff does a lot with, um, mental health awareness and, you know, substance abuse and stuff like that. Uh, you know, he's got a pretty interesting story and, um, you know, I, f- I feel like you two would connect well in that, uh, in that area, probably put out some good, um, uh, supportive, supportive content, um, relating to these subjects. Um, we should probably look at that. We should talk about it. Yeah. I mean, we, we have one for the Los Angeles American Culinary Federation chapter. I'm going to be sitting on a board and presenting about mental health with LJ Klinkberg and Fiona Espinana. And then she's got two other people that are going to be in there too. Gabe is one of them. And I forgot the other gentleman's name. Uh, we're going to be talking about mental health, but I talk about it now on the realm of more of ROI for companies. And that's why it's so important. Like I don't believe in the six day work week. I think that's absolutely just stupid. Um, by any means, if you're out there and you're working for a restaurant right now and you're doing six days a week, I think you should reevaluate what you're doing with your life. Because that's not the deal. But you shouldn't. You shouldn't leave everybody hanging. You shouldn't make a, a, a knee-jerk decision. No. And, t- you know, because you hurt everybody else. But, yeah, you should. I think you should just situation. look at it and be, do the best for you. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. I know that when I had two days off in a row or two days off a week, I know I performed better because I was more energetic. I was able to recharge my battery, especially when you're in the limelight and mm-hmm. you have an open kitchen, you can't do certain things. So you have to be on point all the time. That's exhausting. It, you have no idea. And we were talking about earlier, joking around about Brio and, you know, chef Mike, 30 seconds, chef, don't worry. I mean, you were on stage on that one and that, that, that takes a lot out of you. I don't care. You can't yell. <laughs> you, you have to go in the walk-in to do that talk because there's no way you can yell on the line because can't. everyone can hear you. So you're not throwing pans at anybody? <laughs> not on that one. Uh-huh. I've had plenty of those stories where I was thrown out. I had a great times at Brio, but I mean, restaurants that's your open kitchen like that, you cannot do certain things. You have to act a certain way. Yeah, your performance. It's not your performance. You're on. 100%. You're on stage. Hundred percent. Yeah, and then how how do you get your like when you're going to open up your restaurant and you're looking or you're look, opening up these different restaurants? How do you get your um, inspiration if you're working six days a week? Walk and Talk Podcast, now sweetened by Noble Citrus. Bite into a juicy crunch tangerine, 40 years perfected, seedless and oh so tasty. Or savor a starburst pomelo, the giant citrus with a unique zing. Don't miss autumn honey tangerines, big and easy to peel. Noble, generations of citrus expertise, delivering exceptional flavor year-round. Taste the difference with Noble Citrus. That that right there, uh, I, I mean, I was literally thinking about the Boulan opening. I was saying that uh, we did Union before we did Boulan, and when we got to the Boulan opening, like, I was already just burnt. Um, and so when you're still trying to develop the last couple things and trying to make things perfect, because it's one thing to do something in the test kitchen, it's another thing to actually carry it over into the kitchen for service. And... Uh, on a daily basis, it was just like, uh, 
I don't know what I'm going to do about this. Like a sauce that I've made a million times all of a sudden just couldn't do it. You know, like things like that. Like it was just my, my brain was fried and yeah, I needed to be there, but who was it helping? (laughs) You know, absolutely nobody. And, uh, yeah. So like you're saying, I mean, moving forward, you know, there, there's a theory about, you know, why you do things. It's, you know, what, why, how, you know, and, uh, you know, the why being the inner ring. And so the way that I've been trying to look at things through life, but also mostly for business going forward is what is my why and finding people that are consistent with me and that, you know, that might be slightly different, but ultimately, you know, where we're at is similar. And can we just bring each all bring each other up in that manner because yeah, money's important, but money is definitely not my why, <laughs> you know? So family, the people that I care about around me, relationships like this, um, you know, those are the things that are my why loving to cook that, you know, that's part of my why, you know, the conundrum, the conundrum in, in a lot of cases. And it was for me, um, you know, cause you, you can't, unless you're some savant or, you know, you, you have a, uh, you know, you have a, um, a war chest of cash. You got to earn your way up, you know, to learn, to be able to do right. And, you know, I, and I, and I keep thinking back to the 10 years that I put to that company where I, you know, it, it was 11 months, no day off, but it was really uh, almost 10 years of just, you know, balls to the wall. And and I think back and I'm like, you know, man, if I would have put that time into me, right? Because I was very successful there. I did a lot of big things for that operation. But what if I would have put that into me? Well, I, I couldn't have because I didn't, I learned a lot while I was there. And I was with some people who had some pretty um, interesting lives and experiences that opened my eyes to different ways of doing things. Right. So I don't know that I could have, I mean, I'm sure I could have, I mean, I have the, the abilities and the wherewithal, but they're not all put together and nothing is, is structured properly. So you have to, I think you have to go through it. You know, like you, you have, you had to go through all of what you went through and Jeff and, you know, John, all of us have to go. Yeah. We have a saying, it's called seasoning. You yeah. got to go through the seasoning. Yeah. And that's, that's point blank. I mean, I didn't learn straight marination, man. Exactly. Like, yeah. I didn't learn my, what my self-worth was until I was 50, 51 years old when I said, screw this shit. I'm going to, mm-hmm. sorry for guessing. Second time for me. Um, but I so screw. happy I wasn't the first one today. <laughs> It's, it, well, we got to put a hundred bucks in a cup. You know? Oh, now all of a sudden. <laughs> but it, 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 to me, it just came down to, and I, I love Ivan Ork, and, and he said it the best. I'm going to cook the food I want to cook, and I don't give a you know beep. And that's the truth. And I learned that. And once you start cooking what you want to cook, your cooking changes. Your style changes. And yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to get at before. Is like, I feel like you know, my whole career, I worried about. Was I living up to who I wanted the owner to, you know, who the owner wanted me to be or, you know, my regional or whoever, what do these other chefs in the community think about me, whatever else. Ultimately, like that once you realize that none of that matters at all whatsoever, like it's all from inside. That's what actually matters. Like that, that's when you can really get somewhere. 
Yeah, that's when the light bulb goes off. You know, the aha moment. It's kind of when... It's kind of when Vader strikes down <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Obi-Wan becomes more powerful than you can ever imagine. Do you know what I'm saying? That, mm-hmm. that's, kind of what, that's kind of what this all is. You know, and, and like, look, look what we're doing here with, with Walk and Talk Media. Come on. You know, I, w- before this uh, endeavor, if somebody would have said to me, yeah, you're going to do videos and, uh, you know, podcasts and all that. We started talking in July last year, so we're not even, well, just past the year. Yeah. Coming up to the year when we started doing the podcast. Well, the podcast is another story. Yeah. I mean, people, I had people telling me two, three years ago, hey, you should do a podcast. And I'm like, you're an idiot. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do a podcast. Who the hell listens to these things? I don't, I never listened to them. I didn't have time for that. You know, or I didn't think I did, you know? <laughs> you do now. So, right. So, but, but, but I totally focused on, on video. You know, videos to me is where it's at, but as it in retrospect, videos and what we do with, you know, restaurant recipes and the Dirty Dash uh, with our with our video series is fantastic. Um, but with a with the podcast, we can get so deep. Well, you also have a community now. You have There's the community a, followers, right? And it's because it's different than than just with video. Mm-hmm. The videos, the, the 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 video is a terrific side dish. Right. You can't put out just a plate with just a, you know, a piece of meat. Right. You have to. I mean, you can. I mean, I'm not glad to eat it, but you, 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 you want to have your accoutrements. You want to have others. You need the color. You need the other, you know, textures, uh, crunch and right. flavor. Whatever, all, you need all these things that are on the. OK, well, with a food based media company, you need to have multiple platforms in order to deliver a great experience to whoever the audience or guest is right here. And we're in that position now. And, and like, like, look, 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 man, like you get to Jeff, you get to tell your story and, and you have a story, right? <laughs> um, I mean, you are a Yenta bird. I got to tell you, but I mean, but your story, you're I'm a in, in, in all, <laughs> no, but in all, in all respect, it's like you're, you have a very um, interesting story and, and I'm glad that we're able to to be that platform to get that word out because it helps people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, it's funny you mentioned that, and I apologize for interrupting. You dirty. <laughs> but um, I had some people actually reading the book in the rough draft, and they were like, you have no idea how much this has helped. And that's exactly what I want to do. I mean, because I tell stories about my mental health because there, I know that one person out there that could be listening, that's that's the one person I want to hit. And doesn't it seem like every single time you have a conversation about mental health, there is at least someone around with an earshot that is like, oh my gosh, thank you so much because they're going through those same things. And like, it, until you start to, you know, have that self-realization and start trying to work on yourself, like it's a scary situation and you, you don't want to be looked upon as the person that's going to therapy or the person that, you know, it's a, it's has a, something. It's diagnosed. a sign. It's weak. It looks weak. Well, yeah, and I'm not saying that it, it necessarily is weak, but the appearance is such, right? Well, and, it's, it's the society's view of mental health. Like for me, when I tried to commit suicide, when I was going to go tell my parents, one of the things I freaked out about at 18 was I had, Jack uh, Nicholas with the one who flew over the cuckoo's necks with the straight straight jacket. jacket. Uh, That was the image with the pink padded room. When I went to go tell my parents, that's what was going to happen to me. And that was because what society dictated, 
you know, fast forward after my ex-father-in-law completed suicide, it was funny to hear one side of my family being and asking questions about how, how did he pass and blah, blah, blah. But then my other side of the family was quiet. Well, later on, I found out that my great grandmother and my great uncle both completed suicide. So it was strange to see how the family interpreted because they had one side had that direct contact with that you know, horrible thing that we have to go through yeah. and the other side didn't. So it kind of, you kind of sit there and say to yourself, that's another aha moment. You know, the, the reflections too, about saying to yourself, looking back 35 years ago, I wouldn't be here today having this talk. Right. I wouldn't be where I am or who I am today. You know, the, 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 the whole situation, it's, um, it deserves more dialogue. I, especially in this industry. Correct. And I, and you know, it's something that I, it's something that is near and dear to me as well. Um, I do look at things a little bit differently, you know, and I, because, you know, I look at myself and, you know, every, I think, I think every man, and I'm not going to speak for females, you know, I, I would, but I'm going to speak for, for the male mind. I think every man, male, whether you're a, in your later teens, into your twenties, I think everybody thinks about it at least once. Everybody does. I, I did, mm-hmm. but I didn't think about it in in a way where, you know, I would outline it and then look to execute literally figuratively, whatever, like, no, but I think, um, whenever I felt down or whenever I do, even whenever I start getting into like a, a slump, I always think of, um, I always think of a, of a situation where it's like sports, right? I don't live my life by, you know, sports mantras anymore. Right. I think there's more important things, but mm-hmm. I love sport. I love the actual playing of sports, but I don't like to follow it anymore. But I do remember, you know, when it's like fourth quarter and there's two minutes left and you still got a shot. And I remember when I would play on teams and the people, we, the, the, those who would give up, I just couldn't understand it. Pick your effing pants up and give everything that you have. And if you have to leave it there on the field, at least you tried it. You know what I mean? So I take that that feeling today, because I still remember it vividly. I take that. And whenever I feel like I'm falling down, I go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I don't do it on my team, and I don't mean with you guys, I'm saying with, you know, team. You, team you, team good, Carl. Then who the hell is going to do it? Right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I just get pumped up. And I'm like, all right. And, then, and I'll start to. Well, you have two kids. Yeah. How many kids do you have, Chef? Two. So I have one kid. And one of the things I've noticed with my daughter is that she's constantly beating herself up. And I always tell her this. You have to be your own cheerleader because there's going to be enough people in your life that are going to try to bring you down. So what you have to do is look at yourself yeah. and you have to pump yourself up. Mommy and daddy will do that all day long because that's what we're supposed to do. When she messes up, we're going to tell her you messed up. But at the same token, we're there to pick her up the pieces. But to have that mindset when she leaves the door and she goes out and kids pick on her or whatever... You know, I always tell her, she said, well, someone said I was stupid. And what was your response? You know, did you back down? Did you do anything? Did you slap the person of it? But again, it's how do you contradict what the other people are saying? Or how do you combat all the crap that's going on in today's world? Yeah, You know, it's funny uh, or not. I don't know. But I I remember, uh, you know, I grew up uh, up in the the 70s and in the 80s, right? That's when I was coming around. You were more in the 80s. 
Let's be honest. Uh, I was John and I. I was born in the early seventies. John and I are in the seventies. You guys are older, yeah. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I remember um, getting into. uh, I actually remember, like, I was living in New York at the time when I was that young, like you know, four, five, six, seven years old. And you you meet those kids in those classes in that kindergarten age, and you can see the ones who are going to turn out like crap. You know, they're bullies, they, you know, whatever. And I remember there was a kid who used to always, always break my balls constantly. And like, I remember, like, I even saw a picture not that long ago of my kindergarten class. And he even had like this <laughs> for the picture, like this. But I remember one day um, I had this little blue plastic boat, you know, and I was just, you know, you're a kid, you're walking around with the thing. And he took it from me. And then he pushed me down and he got on top of me, you know, like holding my shoulders down. And I just remember like thinking to myself, you son of a, like whatever you would think of as a kid as a, as a, as your bad word or whatever. That's what I was thinking about this, this, this kid. But I remember pushing him off and I punched him in the face. He never did it again. And then after that, I kind of, you know, I, I mean, I was a little bit probably prone to fights and violence for a long time, <laughs> but I did that my entire, uh, up until my, I was, my last, you know, stupid thing was like when I was like 33, already too old for that, that stuff. But, you know, what I'm getting at is the kids who were, who were causing the grief for everybody, I would always confront them. And whether I won or lost, I, I either became friends with them or they left me alone. And that was my entire schooling career from elementary school out into the world. That's how it was. Well, you still have that in the restaurant industry. Not like the fighting. You've got the well, the guys that like to do the shoulder. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> on the line. Well, I mean, you guys never got into a fisticuff in the walk-in or out in the back? Uh, in the, yeah, in the but there, there's... there's Pretty diff- close. Yeah, definitely. I've definitely done that. But <laughs> like what I'm talking about, like you're on the line and one of your subordinates takes the shoulder to you, mm-hmm. that's so disrespectful. Oh, man, yeah. You have no clue. Like when they drop their shoulder, you're like, did you? Just seriously try to take me down that way, and that's not going to happen again. Well, those are people you end up letting go. You know, <laughs> like once you're in a once you're in a position where you're in charge, you know you don't have to, you don't need to flex anymore. You know, and I think that's well, you know as you get older, some people are lucky. Some some people end up getting, um, you know, their advancements in their careers at a young age. That's great, but everybody else it takes a little time. So everybody's got something to prove. Until they don't anymore, and that's when you can change your, you know, your methodologies or your ways. I mean, that's how it was for me. Anyhow, I think one of the things in the industry we need to change is the way that our mentors are mentoring the next wave of chefs. And I think you know, like when I went, you were talking about it, and you mentioned it, pots and pans being thrown at you. I remember back in uh, ninety four, ninety six, when I was working at Bonaventure. Small used to the chef's name is Small. He used to throw pots, pots and pans and knives at us. Like, who told you you were closed? Uh, chef, it's 10.15. We closed at 10. There's no waters coming through. But that's what we had to deal with, and that's what we, you know, I especially had to deal with it because that was my externship. I couldn't leave until they said, hey, we want to hire you. I'm like, uh, no thanks. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, uh, you know, kind of the same thing that I was saying uh, earlier, you know, younger kitchen days, it was very much so, like, this is what you're going to do. And this is the way that it is and period. And, you know, even as a young sous chef and early on in my executive chef career, you know, that 100% was the way that it was, you know, 
you might make a couple people cry throughout the day, and you didn't really feel bad about it. I wasn't uh, even know. in the kitchen, and I used to get pans thrown at me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. It was, we do that at servers. Yeah. and like, But, like, now, you know, like, you, it's like you look back on it, and it's like, well, well, did that person really deserve to, yes. you know, the rest of the yeah, <laughs> the did. rest of the evening they're <laughs> going to be feeling? I think, they I, I think there's some people that definitely, like, I look back at my career and some of the people that I got into, you know, fisticuffs with or argued with or became argumentative with, I think they did somewhat. But then you also look back and go, what was going on in their life? Like outside of the restaurant when they came to work. And we don't know what everyone else is going through. True story. But that, that you know, that doesn't. That doesn't uh, enable you or allow you to be an asshole. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm saying when you were that way to that person, we didn't know they were just being a jerk to us because maybe they were having a bad day. We never really looked into it. Like back in the day, Small never used to come up to us to find out how we were doing. Yeah. I remember, you know, Chef Peter James from Johnson & Wales, he said to me, he goes, I don't care if you have one employee or a thousand employees, you shake everyone's hand when they come in and when they come out, when you leave. And I lived that, you know, I lived that to the, to this day. I lived it. I remember working at the Marriott. It used to take me that much longer to leave because I wanted to make sure I said goodbye to my staff because I felt that was respect. It's the better it way. Was, it was taught to me day one at Cameron Mitchell restaurants. And uh, I remember the first time that I met Cameron, he walked into the kitchen, like comes in the front door, walks straight to the kitchen, goes straight to the dish tank introduces himself, shakes the hands of the dishwashers, then made his way around the kitchen and introduced himself and said hello to everyone and talked to them. And he used to say 30 seconds every day with every employee. Do you know, and that is so uh, taxing to do that. People, no, I mean, people, people who, but okay, the amount minute. you get, uh, no, 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 yeah. uh, it's, it's no, no, no. It's, it's a necessary thing to do. But what happens is the, the for people who haven't reached a place in their career where they would have to do that. They don't understand how much it takes from you to do that. It, every your, your underlings, they look at the, they look at the people in charge, like they're just dollar signs and, you know, but they don't realize what it takes to get to that level. And then once you're at that level, how to stay at that level and be successful. It, nobody looks at that because they're, they're, they're looking at their own bank account or they're looking at, you know, they're not looking at how they're, you know, frivolously, frivolously spending their money. Like they're just, they're short-sighted is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I literally, when you were saying that, like the end of my term with uh, next level brands, like, like I said, nobody's fault, you know, it was time for a change for me. But one of the big things was, is at the end of the night, like I was mentally drained, didn't want to be there and, didn't even want to say bye to everybody on my way out. Mm. And that was part of what made me, me, you know? And that's what, that's a little bit of you dying. Yeah. And like you brought up, you know, your daughter and whatever, you know, if you're home, you know, you're depressed and whatever, trying to tell her, you know, like, you know, you're saying stick up for yourself and whatnot. Like you say that to your daughter, but you know, you have to live it. You're not going to go, you're not going to go and stick up for yourself and build a life for yourself. And, you know, and, 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 you know, I think that's what we're all trying to say here. We're, it's a tough industry. It's a, you know, everybody's got a busy schedule. Like, I mean, I think it's imperative to fill that schedule up with stuff that truly matters to you and that's going to fulfill you. Yeah. There's, there's a, a female uh, restaurant owner in St. Pete. She owns three restaurants. I want to say it's Natalia Levy, but I don't know if it's her last name. She's very um, in with Je- um, 
Jackie Pessinger from the American Culinary Federation. I follow her on LinkedIn. Every Monday morning, she sends out a newsletter to her entire staff about mental health. Kudos to mm-hmm. an owner like that because it shows, and again, it's ROI. You know, most of these, most of these big conglomerates are looking, well, we got to get people in here. We got to do, well, hey, why don't you focus on your employees that you have? Stop the churn, stop the bleeding and hemorrhaging. Treat them like human beings, don't treat them like a number. And I think the other thing too is if you actually have lineups and, and you do pre-shifts and you talk about the mental health and you bring that up and they have an open door policy and you get them help like from Ben's friends and Chow and all that, that different stuff, it shows the employees that you really give a crap about who they are and not just a number. You know, even if you took that at the face value of it, right, it, on an ROI uh, perspective, mm-hmm. from an ROI perspective, um, it costs so much more to keep rehiring and training and and then not only not only the cost that it takes to to um, re uh, or to onboard new personnel, but think of the 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 loss of quality and food or or yeah or dilution of service yeah hundred um, percent you know and that goes across the whole all work uh, all industries not just necessarily food but especially food you know when you when you have um, people in strong positions who are in charge of stuff, who know recipes or who know, um, you know, who, who run scheduling or something like this. If you don't take care of those people and they leave, oof, you, your whole system falls apart. And then, you know, then you're the guy, like whoever the next person up, then you have to deal with all of it. It's terrible. And chef mentioned it, you know, like when you really care about your food, your food's going to be better. So re- regardless of what that is. So, same thing with, you know, whatever you're doing, you know, your people are your biggest asset and you take care of your people and your bottom line is going to take care of itself inherently. Your, your food's going to be better. It's going to be more consistent. Your service team is going to be much happier. So they're, they're going to drive the sales obviously. And, and in, in turn, you know, it, it's going to give everybody a better quality of life as well. As long as, you know, if you're steering the ship, you know, you got to make sure that, you know, those things are what is important to you. And every decision is made, you know, based upon that, you know, and, and trying to solve that problem. You, you know, when I was traveling and went up to uh, New Hampshire, there's a marketplace. It's a market. It's a supermarket. It's called Marketplace. And I was told by Keith and a couple other people that the original CEO, they didn't like what was going on. Like the board didn't like the CEO. So they wanted, they had this whole thing. They would try to get rid of the CEO. And there's pictures of this guy mopping his floor. He's like in his sixties and he is the CEO of market Pass. And he had this love for everything he did with his people that in, not only within the actual supermarket, the people that came in there, but his actual employees too, they all went on strike and they had to re put the guy in as the CEO. And to this day, the guy's still the CEO of Market Basket because the way he treated his employees and they revolted against the board. And to this day, that guy still has it. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, you didn't. I mean, you didn't say New Hampshire. No, I didn't say New Hampshire. Wicked, because I'm, I'm I'm back now for two weeks. Yeah, I mean, what doesn't count then? Is there really even a place no, you called gotta, New Hampshire? <laughs> you know, does that even well, exist? I don't even you know. gotta call the you know Keith. Yeah, New Hampshire. Or you can you can get your uh, your dragon uh, buddy. Uh, oh yeah, German, 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 yeah. German, German, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. We just shout him out. What's up? Yeah, we got it. Well, you got to shoot out uh, Vicky Webster, you know, and Vicky she's Webb. going through some stuff there. And then you got the Amy. I always got to say Amy, yay. You know, she's. You know what? She's got to come up now. Brian. Even her, even her mother is saying that when you're going to bring them bread. 
I, I mean, Amy, like we're wondering. John's um, shaking his head. Listen, I'm not gonna. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna block you on all social media. I promise. I want the bread. Where's the bread? Hey, bar and grill fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-host sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby. That's all we're saying. We want some bread. I want the bread. Yeah, we got Suzanne over on LinkedIn. She always calls us out on everything we do, which is sweet of her to do that as well. Yeah. We, now, you know what? Um, the community is growing. And again, people. Oh, wait. No. I got one. Fiona. But she the, did one that was huge. How many times are you going to cut me off? I'm, all the time. God. Chef's Roll did a um, anti-convention. Yeah. In Los Angeles, San Diego, rather. They do. Chef's Roll does a great job. Well, she came out and went on their and like their social media thing, and yeah. she goes, "Hey, have you guys ever heard of this podcast called The Walk and Talk?" Oh, really? Yeah. So she gave us <laughs> a huge shout out. That's that's why I wanted to interrupt you. All I right. did not want to forget Fiona doing that for us. So thank you, Fiona. Fiona is awesome, and I we, we had a little couple of side chats too. Yeah, it's it's, it's good. It's cool. She's a chef, and then she's also a roller, roller roller derby girl. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> you, I, I don't know. I think there's a show just for that. I think we can make a reality I'd show. Like to produce a show. I want to. Fiona, Fiona, hit me up. Okay, we're going to produce that. Yeah, um, her sister is um, also one of the other people that uh, rollerblade with her or roller, roller derby. derby. Yeah, I do remember watching the roller derby. Seventies, uh, eighties, know, when it, there was no football on. Yeah, I do remember that. My uncle used to put it on. He's like, hey, call you want to watch? Come on, we're gonna go watch all the. I'm like, all right, you know, yeah. All the people in my family talk the same. They're all, they all sound like that. Hey, you know, forget about. It. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. I'm like, yeah, all right. Sounds like Puss from Sopranos. It's all of that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I absolutely. Know. Police over here. He understands. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're close. Oh yeah, you know, we're sure. just cousins. I mean, you guys invented the bagels. We stole them. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> dirty, dirty, dirty. Uh, and we ran the numbers. Meyer. Yeah. 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 I mean, somebody's got, I don't want to do it. No. That's why Meyer Lansky did it. Think of all the, the reverse theft that went on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, all right. Um, what we do need to do. I mean, I don't know how many times we're going to talk about this. I feel so uncomfortable. About October 23rd. About the party. Yeah. He thinks that we can't pull it off in less than a month. It's not even a month, and he's like, you're going to be able to do this? People need to, listen, not for nothing. And we can pull a party off where there's actual beverage, you know, cocktails and food. You know, we need to have people, you know, come well, to the thing. Uh, show Tampa up. Food Mom's going to be there. Great. I've already the, reached the, out to the her. The five of us will have a great... No, I, no it's not the five of us. There's oh seven. I, I start I think sweating. you can pull it together that quick. Bro, no, see, like, I am not a party thrower. And you know what I mean? I, I throw... It, I would have th- I'd throw more if I knew everybody would show up. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I, I would do it. I just I don't. All you have to say is by invitation only, free food and people will come. I'm sweating right now. Well, you're schwitzing. Yeah, because you just got done eating. Yeah, my putting them in the schwitzing <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, you know. Um, when are you gonna make? When are you gonna bring some knishes in or something? 
Was I supposed to? Did I, I get a memo? I'm I'm in a I'm in the the, the You want a knish? I want a knish. I love knishes. I lived in New York. That was a part of the hot food lunch. You well, no, you have to knish. do the Savoy, the Jewish donut. Those I, are I don't incredible. know what that is. Look, the, I'm not, I'm not asking to be introduced to new stuff. Uh, I'm just looking for the try it. Knish. I want a knish. Yeah, the the Jewish donut's not that uh, old. I mean, not that new, rather. Yeah, well, it's I've kind never of. Had it. Well, I'll I'll make sure, I'll make one. Next right. time. Okay. All right. So are, are we comfortable, though, with this, this whole October 23rd thing? Yeah. Well, I, like I told you, I got four pigs to fabricate or butcher when I get home later okay. today. What One of those pigs to is going to be at the party in some form. What's, what's her name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I haven't so, named it yet, but okay. I'll let you know. All right. But, but, all right. I, I know I'm not going to get what I'm looking for here. All right. You just want more at deets and stuff like that. I want details. Yeah. I have to get with the person to my left to make sure he can do a, a flyer for it. Yeah. Well, the person to my right uh, and your left. <laughs> he's busy. He's busy. Um, well, listen, listen, there's a lot of things that are moving around in high speed here. And um, real soon, we're going to have some kind of a merch thing going, you know, Um Hats, shirts. Adam just get perked up like a meerkat. I saw that. He did. He, he's, <laughs> he looked like a school. I like a good t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, yeah I got to get like six shirts to put together, though, for you. Tablecloth, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like the whole yeah. parachute. It works well. Yeah. It just fits everything. What was everything. your position when you played football? The I front linebacker. <laughs> nah, yeah. I mean, these days, yes. <laughs> yeah. You guys are body shaming me now. Like, no, God. no, we're, we're just been, saying we've, we've been talking about mental health. And uh, no, you walked gotta, inside the door. There was no going on a diet. Thanks, guys. <laughs> there was a, there was an eclipse when you walked in the door. I don't know. <laughs> you're not. A, no, listen, it's not because it isn't that you're like you're uh, big boned. I'm a big fatty. You're not a fatty. You're you're like a big dude. Like, but but you were what a linebacker. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, so wait. Uh, so in college, what were you? What did you? What were you weighing? I was, I played at about 215 in college. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm more like 350. So, uh, not quite as fleet of foot as I once was. He is an offensive linebacker or offensive lineman instead of the defensive <laughs> linebacker. My, my brother in law played offensive line for UM back in the 90s, uh, under Butch Davis. I think it was Butch Davis. Yeah. Butch Davis. Anyway, when we first met, um, when I first met my, my wife, um, we had gone to this, uh, you know, her family was vacate, you know, they were doing a hotel thing down in Miami or something. So we, we met him there and, uh, it was like right in the very beginning. Anyway, he's like six, four, he's two fifty. He's a big dude. You know what I mean? He actually has the uh, bench press record at UM at like 500, whatever pounds. Uh, it still holds today. Long story short, <clears throat> granted I was in better shape at the time. It was like nine years ago. Um, we're in the pool and we started talking about like, uh, the 80s and WWF, you know, and Hulk Hogan and hey brother, you know, that kind of stuff. Before I know it, we're locked up, right? And I'm like, oh crap. But but here's the thing. I felt I was like in good shape for about 20 seconds. <laughs> That's it. I had about I had 20 good seconds. And I and I saw his face. He for a minute he was like, oh wait, how is this happening? You know? And then, then I was on his shoulders like a sack of potatoes, like literally like dead weight. Like if you were carrying a bag of onions out of the cooler, like that was me on his shoulders. And then he was, you know, he threw me like it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's a cool cat. Don't worry. You know, he's fun. He's a good dude. Screw you guys. 
At least we have cameras now that they can actually see the face, what we were doing. But John's face is the face. Is the best. We need to have like a... Yeah, he needs to be like permanent. Yes, go ahead, John. All right. (sighs) My man. (laughs) So, Adam, is there anything that you want to reveal about your next project? Or is that still on the hush? It's not really on the hush, just uh, trying to find a location right now and uh, trying to get some things figured out, but hopefully closing in on that soon. Okay. And uh, I presume that we're going to be doing some stuff together on that place. I would assume so. I'm assuming that. I'm just saying yes, and I'm not going to take no for an answer. You know what I'm saying? He's trying to say he wants to be the official taster, just so you know, when you do your menu testing. I know what I'm talking about. Okay? I know what I'm talking about. All right. Um, Peninsula Food, Molina International, like, you know, Southern Provision. There's so many. Oh, my God. Go to our website. Check everybody out who we're working with. Um, Support these uh, companies. All of you food industry uh, people. Make it happen. Um, Jeff, you're awesome. John, baby, always love you. Adam, thanks for being on the show. And we are out. Bless everybody. Don't need a burn. Let me tell you about my friends over at Citrus America and their amazing juicing equipment. They're revolutionizing the way you enjoy freshly squeezed juice. They're at the best hotels, restaurants, and markets. Their mission is simple. Develop a unique consumer experience with on-premise juicing, deliver healthy taste options to clientele, and juice more faster. It's that easy. Citrus America supplies the highest quality juicing equipment and solutions in the industry. So whether you're a small business owner or a large corporation, Citrus America has the right juicing equipment for you. Find out more at citrusamerica.com.